Hi everyone! If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Hegelbont on Twitter, and I have with me today uh, Mr. Uh, Joe Russ. Uh, you may know him from Twitter, at McGroffey underscore Joe, but you may also know him from his uh, suddenly, uh, it seems to be suddenly ubiquitous, but uh, I uh, I am glad that it is, a video game that you worked on called uh, Jenny LeClue Detectivu. Yes, um, hello. Did I, get the la- did I get the subtitle right? Detectivu. Just Detectivu. rhymes with LeClue. Is that why it's there? Yes. Ah. And a uh, little signal uh, to what the game is about. The clue in the detective. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully most people get it. It's a first-person shooter. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, well, we'll talk about what the game is. I, I think like what the game actually is is really fascinating. But um, uh, just to get off the bat, uh, you are also uh, based on uh, your, own, your own Twitter bio, which, as we know, is legally binding. Um, you're an indie director, illustrator, animator, developer. You made a, a really neat short film called Fathoms. Um, you're also a dog papa, and you love tiny things. This is uh, this is all uh, professionally relevant, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, your dog is adorable. <laughs> She's actually sitting here with us right now. Oh, She's good. cozied up by the fire of the laptop. <laughs> that's that's the warmest spot in the house. Yeah. Um, what I'm wondering is, uh, how, what would you say your role was on Jenny LeClue? Like, how would you describe what you did on the game? And I know this could, like, especially in a small studio, it can, uh, this can be a hard question to answer. So, like, whatever, whatever way you want to answer that question easy, is fine with me. Easy question for us, because the studio Ooh. is me, um, and it basically had a partner on the game, Ben Tillett. So, I am the creator of the concept and the character of Jenny LeClue, and... Uh, did the Kickstarter, and then Ben came on board to join as a partner on seeing the project through to fruition, and uh, we've had some other collaborators, like we were really lucky to be able to get Scientific to do the music, and one of our good friends to do the audio, but basically, basically 90% of the game is me and Ben toiling away for the past five years, and we basically (laughs) both did everything together uh, except we division of labor on. I did most of the art. Ben did most of the programming. 
every other thing we shared and then other people helped with concept art and some audio and music. Cool. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy when it's that straightforward. Cause I remember like most times, uh, I don't know. I can think of like a couple of times, maybe two or three times where I've asked this and they've been like, well, I'm sort of like writer, but also director and animator and marketing department. Yeah. And like, it's yeah, like but so, everyone else is also that it's like, oh, yeah. geez, this is a, this is a tough division of labor to manage. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, I did, I did all of that stuff too, but the nice thing is Ben and I are both people who like to do a bit of everything and are good enough to do a lot of things. So we're able to just kind of share that stuff, which is kind of a strength of being a tiny, uh, like a micro studio is like, you can get your hand in all the pies and it also makes it easier to kind of fluidly work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. I mean, it's, it must be nice to have someone you're kind of like simpatico with in terms of like the way the game is moving, especially with a game like this that has like a super unique and uh, distinctive uh, uh, voice, I guess. Like I feel like there could be a lot of ways someone could, uh, take Jenny as a character in a way that would not really work with how the game, uh, I don't know how the game actually like conceives of her. Like she's a very specific character. Yes. <laughs> um, so what was the, what was the inspiration for you? Like what, where did you come up with Jenny LeClue? Um, I have my own theories as to uh, inspirational texts, but uh, we can talk yeah. about that later. Uh, where did you come up with the idea? What's what's the what's the genesis for this? I was going to say I want to hear your idea first because mine. Uh, I need to make up a more interesting origin <laughs> story because it's like okay. it's just one of those things. I was like years and years and years ago. I was obsessed with like uh, crime procedural TV shows and having grown up with a lot of that stuff. And I was like obsessed with the show CSI at the time, which was at the time sort of fresh. So this is like early 2000s. I'm still yeah. in college. And it was like, oh, I know that it's kind of terrible and cookie cutter, but I like can't not keep watching it. Oh, it's and comfort I, food. I mean, yeah. I, I still watch procedurals. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I would say it's probably 80% of my television watching. I just, yeah. I, you know, they just they just keep coming and I keep watching them and keep eating them. And yeah, it's, you know, genre stuff is it's you know, it's always appealing, even when it's a little a little. Uh, uh, I don't know, long in the tooth, but uh, I just I had this idea for like a short film that was sort of like simultaneously making fun of the proce crime procedural and uh, sort of an homage. So it was going to be the joke was like the um, show had like a. 30 second intro and then she would solve the crime in like five seconds so the intro and the credits of the show would be longer than the that's the a thing. good bit. uh so it'd be like fast forwarding the kind of the repetitive procedural aspects um and then you know it kind of lingered for a long time in the back of my head i never did anything with it and then i kept thinking about how i wanted to do it as like an episodic thing like a web series animated series and i just never had time and then I kept thinking more and more about like interactive stories. And, you know, for the longest time, I'd wanted to make like a bigger game. Uh, and I did uh, with my wife, I did a medical information app that was successful. And then I did a Kickstarter cool. for my animated short. And I did that. And I was like, you know, I can kind of hack my own project. And then I just uh, kept evolving the idea of this story for Jenny LeClue and thinking about a, a more and more interactive version of it. And then got 
kind of reached the point where I was like, well, let's do the Kickstarter for this and, um, you know, I'll do it as, I'll create a like concept video for it and I'll do it like my ideal version of the game so that if it doesn't succeed, then I'll have done my sort of fantasy uh, teaser trailer of what the game would have been or what I could imagine it would be. Yeah. And, then, you know, it's like a, it's a great test because if, you know, I can't sell it to anyone to convince them that it could be <laughs> not just another kind of generic uh, point and click adventure or something, then cool, we'll do it. Uh, and, you know, we successfully uh, did the Kickstarter and then it was like, oh shit, now we have to make this game. <laughs> Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, at that point it was like, well, I have some I have some ideas where I want the plot to go and I have strong ideas about the character herself. But like we hadn't, you know, fully fleshed out the narrative or anything. So it was like I have this character who I have a very strong sense of who she is and who she's in inspired by. Um, but with like, you know, all the game then kind of then came on board and we just, you know, like uh, writing partners, we just kind of broke the story and built it from scratch from there with kind cool. of my vision of what the world would look like and kind of the space it take place in. And we then kind of work through all the things we love, um, which I think if you ever watched the show Lost, if you ever watched the show Veronica Mars, if you've ever seen the movie Clue, it's like you can see uh, probably really unsubtly all those influences in there. Um, but there's lots of other things as well that kind of inform the game. Yeah, what I loved about the game, like what would really grab me, like from the very start, was the um, the way that it kind of like I don't know, like I have a I have a young daughter um, who's like just getting into chapter books. Like we have, we have to read them to her, but she uh, she likes them. Um, she's learning how to read, so eventually that'll end. But it's nice it's nice kind of reading them. Like I I enjoy them too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we've been reading. Uh, we found that there's like a basically like a I don't know. I guess it would be like an elementary school version of Nancy Drew where uh, nothing bad ever happens. It actually reminded me very much of um, of the books that are being described in the very in like the prologue to the game where uh, sure. where you're being yelled at by your editor. Um, yeah. uh, I say you, I guess I guess we'll have to talk about who the protagonist of the game is. That's a, sure. that's a deep question. Um, but uh, but you're being yelled at by your editor. And then, um, you know, he's saying, yeah, I got to make it dark. And I keep I think a lot about those Jenny uh, those um Jenny those uh, Nancy Drew books because they're they're so innocent like there's always like maybe it's a theft or maybe someone's taking things and it's always like oh you know what happened was it was uh, someone misplaced it and then a dog got it and you know took yeah. it to its it took it to its dog house and that's that's what happened and you know Nancy solves it in the end and it's no one's fault but <laughs> like imagining that. And then having to transition that into something dark and like the the pressures that would be there in in terms of like from a writing perspective and from a character perspective and like what the book would be like and what, you know, where, where those pressure points would be. I felt like, you know, in the beginning of the game for sure, but also as the game continues like into the darker parts of the story um, or sort of like more mysterious parts of the story, it is very much like it feels like that book that is like, all right, I'm going to try and grow this character up like this is going to be a gritty version but i'm not going to lose you know the jenny that i actually wrote in the first place yeah and i think we definitely uh thought about it like you know it's the author's it's a coming of age story of course it's like we see it as kind of a young adult story and it's like it's the author it's his his baby his kid and clearly for him part of that is like you know they have their own kind of 
shared narrative and this there's some some struggle of ownership of narrative there and it's like that same ideas as a parent right there's uh always places you have to kind of let go and then ultimately completely kind of let go of trying to uh you know you're the shepherd and the caretaker for your kid and responsible for their safety and their most of their well-being and then it's like you know there comes that point where you're kind of uh overbearing and like ruining their life so uh it's for him it's yeah. that kind of story where he's clearly kind of uh he didn't have to you know let her grow up because she was fictional and she's like i feel like a you know like the simpsons never grow up that's got to be the most uh frustrating thing ever and it's like she needs to grow up and he's kind of forced to to do something that gives her the chance to try out becoming a young adult and it's like some of that back and forth yeah, there's this great part. I'll try not to get into spoilers because I like I I I don't usually care too much about spoilers, but like in I this game sure. doesn't have spoilers in the sense of like you know like oh you're never gonna believe who's revealed in this case. I mean it does, but like Please. those aren't the ones I'm worried about. What I'm worried about are like the way the plot diverts and changes and and shifts. Sure. I think is really really unpredictable uh, and fun. So I want people to be able to enjoy that on their own. So I'll try not to hit any spoilers. But if I do, I will um, say so so people can skip ahead. Sure. But this isn't really a spoiler. There's a point in the in the story where um, there's like a particularly sort of like um, rebellious thing Jenny's about to do. And the author has a crisis. And, and you see him swilling a glass of, of brandy. And he's saying, like, I can't do this. This isn't me. Like, I'm an artist. Uh, I'm not like I'm not a mercenary. Like, they can't force me to do this to Jenny. Um, and he has like a little, uh, he has a storyboard on the wall and you can, you as like the, the disembodied hand can, uh, untack, uh, the little, uh, uh, thumbtack and decide where the story should go. And he has one where it's like a happy ending and one where it's obviously where the game's going. And what I loved about that is if you pick the happy ending, um, you see this sort of like hyper idealized, like meadow where they're like, turns out it was all a big misunderstanding and now we're yeah. best friends. Um, <laughs> And it literally looks like a hostage video. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so good. And, like, even he comes back and he's like, no, this is terrible. I have to go with the actual story. Yeah. And like He's growing a little. Yeah. Yeah. That moment where he's like, yeah, I can't I can't make you do this. Like, I, that's not good art either. Like that that mix of art and parenthood is uh, I, I don't know. It's really clever. I, I never would have thought of that. Thanks. Yeah. We, we're trying a lot of things in the game, so some things are more successful, more interesting, some are <laughs> less so, but uh, I'm glad you enjoyed that part. We won't talk about the less successful stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, everyone's going to have a different opinion, right? Some people love the ending. Some people hate the ending. Yes. Like, well, so that's always going to happen. So, Can we talk in general about the ending? Um, I actually sure. am not. I'm not even... I. I'll, I'll be completely forthright. Uh, I got very far into Jenny, but I did not get to the end. Um, but I've been playing a lot of it, and I am at the sewers, so I am okay. Uh, I won't go. I won't go further than that. But I think I'm fairly yeah. far into the game. Yeah, you're not ter too far from the end. Yeah, it doesn't feel like I'm too far from the end. But if you go, if anyone goes in the Steam store, it's a it's mostly positive. People seem to like it. Um, no one's calling USJWs or anything. Uh, which not yet. Is, not yet. They will. No. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a fairly straightforward feminist game in a lot of ways. We could talk about that, too, but like um, not in a not in a hokey way. Uh, and that makes people very frustrated. But um, 
one of the main complaints is that uh, it is a to be continued. So I wanted to ask you about that. Like what what made you want to do to be continued? Is this like are you planning on making this episodic? Is that a, a narrative choice? Like what about what about to be continued is so important for you? So a couple things in the Kickstarter, we were originally going to do it episodic. And for me, even as a game, episodic is like an hour, an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe an hour and a half. Um, I don't think of it any longer than that. And then I think of like Telltale would do, which is then a season, you know, or a complete game, if you want to call it that is, you know, four or five episodes then of an hour to two each. Um, and so originally we were going to do that. We made a playable teaser kind of for ourselves prove uh to ourselves kind of test how we wanted the game to be and get some stuff out of our system and that was maybe 30 40 minutes long um and then we were like well we've got this big story arc we want to do we always said it would be a couple episodes we technically funded the first episode but we want to we keep kind of growing this story and we want to make it bigger so at first we were going to try to make it a single game and then mm -hmm. we're like the, we got to about three-fourths of through the game, and we're like, okay, I mean, this is like a 15-hour game. We've already spent four years on this. We're never going to finish this at this rate. And, like, the game shouldn't be this long. We didn't want it to be this long. I know game, uh, a lot of gamers, when they like something, they want it to be extremely long, and I prefer much shorter, tighter experiences. And I was like, all right, this I'm is already you. too long. <laughs> so I think we should try to find a balance between originally saying we do three to five episodes and what we have now, which is one ginormous game we can never finish. So we said, well, let's call them volumes, at mm. least internally and like a book. And we'll say there's two volumes. So we're going to tell the arc over two games. And we went back and forth for months about, well, then how much are we going to wrap up in game one? And I'm a big mystery fan and I'm much of the, I'm a fan of, of, uh, I don't need everything to be answered. Like for me, mystery is about curiosity and wonder. Yeah. So I like the idea that you're like, well, what's behind door number one? You open door number one and there's three more doors behind it. I always find that, you know, or there's a door, a, a clown car and a UFO behind it. And you go, well, what? Um, I thought you were going to tell me who did it. So we tried to strike the best balance we could between what we consider sort of wrapping up the local case but the whole point of our thing is it starts as a murder mystery and then it keeps unraveling into, for me, a sort of like sci-fi epic or something. Um, yeah. and so for me, it was like, well, we wrap up the murder mystery. So we didn't try to leave it completely open, but we want to say, OK, this leads into the rest of the story. And if you want that, there's going to be a part two. And uh, I think it must clearly I didn't do a great job of spelling out. <laughs> that it was like volume one, but I also was kind of annoyed that some people were like, this is the first episode. And I'm like, this game's like 10 hours long. That's not an episode. That's like a season. Uh, so we think of it like a season of a TV show where it's like it's a mystery thing. And so okay. we want to wrap some stuff up, but we want to like tease that there's more to solve and have some stuff for you to think about. And I understand people are very, you know, there's people who like mystery stuff because they want it, the clean, neat puzzle box solution at the end and there's people who like mystery because they like thinking about the unknown and all the things that that could be and i just think about uh i don't know if you ever read that uh they made the movie annihilation out of the the, the book annihilation right uh the, the book but i read the book annihilation or, yeah. and it's a trilogy 
And I remember, and I've still only read, I read the part of the second book and I was like, oh, I should never finish this because I love the first book because <laughs> you didn't have any answers. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's going to write two more books and answer some of it. And I remember looking up the Amazon reviews and it was literally split down the middle. People loved it. Like I loved that book. One of my favorite books in the past few years because it was like, it didn't have to explain why there's like weird dolphins and uh, you seeing yourself in the lighthouse and all this stuff. It's like, it can just be weird and mysterious and like that's part of the the magic of it. And then there are yeah. lots of people who are angry that it didn't answer any, didn't tell you why any of this was here. And I was like, you can draw your own conclusions. So yeah. I, we just went with the idea that, you know, no one's ever going to be happy. We're going to try to satisfy some people by saying it starts as a murder mystery. We're going to wrap up the murder. But as the game develops in the middle, we want to expand what this story is about. And so we don't want to feel like we have to close that out here because we want to do second game which we are doing and we want to take that where we where we'd like it to go and then that will end end and if we do some spin-off things we will but you know it's it, we've got an arc and we want it to happen and we were like it'll take us 10 years to finish it in just one game let's do two someone's always going to be unhappy so let's just do what makes sense for us yeah yeah i um, agree i think that's smart i mean and 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 it's funny because that you say it's split because, of course, like the the reviews in uh, the Steam reviews that I was looking at, and I always like to look at them because, I mean, I like to look at them once I'm like a good way through the game because I, mm-hmm. I don't really trust them, um, especially if it's like a game that I want to play. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that was really interesting in that was that people did seem split. They seemed to be like, yeah, you're either going to love the ending or hate the ending or like, yeah, yeah. the ending could be continued. That's neat. Or like yeah, like it just, it doesn't seem fair. Like you, you got everyone across the board, across the, the spectrum. And I think you're right that like, you'd get that if you ended it too. Like it would, yeah. if you ended it, people would be like, that ending was awful or that ending was great. And uh, ultimately you, you, you know, you just have to go with what's going to make you feel good. Yeah. And you know, I think in other segments, uh, ending stuff, uh, when people love something, seems to usually come out positive but i feel like in general uh this community when they love something a lot it comes out aggressively um and it can come out as really negative when it's like you played our game for 10 hours till the end (laughs) and you loved it every moment till it ended so what you really are saying to me if i read as your, you know, uh, unpaid therapist, if I read into your angry <laughs> negative review, what you're saying is you love the game, you just didn't want it to end. Or you wanted it to end some other way that we were never going to end it anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, so I'm just going to take that as a win because you played to the end. You didn't bounce off it in the first... There was lots of opportunities at the beginning to be like, God, this is slow. Let's, let's leave. And you didn't. So I'm like, I'm going to take that as a win that you just don't know how to say, I really love the game and I just wish it never ended. Instead, you say this game sucked. I played it all the way to the end and loved it, and then I didn't like the ending. So yeah, there was <laughs> there was one person who was like, uh, "It breaks my heart to give this a bad review," and yeah. I was like, "That is a strange thing to say, man. Like yeah. that's this is a weird. People have a weird personal reaction to your game." Well, I, I was gonna say it feels like a, just a normal kind of Steam review. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess that's true. I guess that's that, probably it's fair. just a, a beautiful mix of um, of entitlement uh and 
like, I don't know, confusion about how to express. I don't know. I don't know yeah. quite what it is, but it feels like, okay, I was preparing myself for certain kinds of reviews on Steam and they've been nicer than I expected, but that's exactly the kind of thing I would expect is like, I play, I, you know, can't in good conscience recommend this, though I loved a lot of parts, played it for 30 hours. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, got it. Cool. The only good one of those I've ever heard of was, um, uh, someone who had put in like 2,100 hours of Dota and they were like, I can't in good conscience recommend that you ever do what I've done. Sure. I was like, all right, I, I, I can understand what you're doing here. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I kind of reminded like what, what you're talking about with, um, with mystery. Like I'm reminded of, um, there's this, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, 2666. It's a book by, uh, the, um, uh, I think he, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his, his nationality now. Um, I hope I can edit. Uh, you know what? I will, I will cop to forgetting, uh, Bologna's <laughs> nationality. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Bologna I have not is, read this book. Uh, he's Chilean. He lived in Argentina for a while. He's Chilean. Okay. Um, and then he, he passed away in Spain, but, uh, so 2666 is this fascinating book. It's, a crazy book. It's uh, his last book and it was published posthumously. Um, but the basic idea in it is it is about, um, it's about, uh, loosely the, the, the desaparecidos in, um, uh, Ciudad Juarez, uh, the women who are, are, are killed in Ciudad Juarez and, and no one really knows, uh, who's doing it. Um, women who work at the Maquiadoras and, it kind of follows a lot of threads. It's like, a, you know, a thousand page novel. Uh, but there's one bit of it where like, uh, basically it just deals with the murders. And there's a story Bolaño tells of like, he's like, oh yeah, like initially I was just going to make a detective story and it would have an ending. Um, and then he went to Juarez and he had like, you know, uh, a, a black car follow him. He got beat up a little bit. Like it was a whole thing. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if he's exaggerating, but regardless he says you know the the thing is like i just decided there is no answer to this like the whole point of this has to be that there's no answer um yeah and like that struck a chord with me because i was like you know it's the whole point of everything is like in mysteries is that there needs to be some kind of answer um and like it's so much better when there isn't one like sometimes yeah. that's that's okay and it's interesting because that's where I'm like, uh, I don't, I see mysteries as being about questions and like what I like about horror as a genre is it's about like, uh, at least some of my favorite stuff is about kind of confronting your own inner darkness or like mm. the darkness of our society. And it's often personified in some specific way, but it's like, usually to me, it's more about like the, the imagination space of uh, the real terror is what that gets rolling in my mind, just like a great mystery to me gets me imagining all sorts of things that never happen on the page or in the game or in the movie or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, it's like uh, again, uh, for anyone who saw the TV show Lost, nobody seemed happy with the way it ended. And I'm like, yeah, because what was great about it was they were so good at propelling, compelling mysteries that just made you want to see where it would go. And I was like, so there was no way they were ever going to satisfy anyone by ending it because yeah. that wasn't the appeal of it. And you were confused uh, <laughs> thinking that, like, that's what you're there for is to get all the answers at the end. Uh, and, you know, I guess some people clearly were, but I was like, they were never going to be able to satisfy that. But it still was great. 
because mm-hmm. they spent, I don't know, whatever it was, seven seasons, uh, mostly compelling me to be like, where are they going to take this? This is bonkers. And I'm finding out they're writing this like episode by episode. Like these people are crazy. Um, and to me, that's like, that's the real intrigue of mystery is, is the mystery, not the <laughs> convenient answer. I mean, sometimes I like it, but you know, at this point we've also had so many convenient uh, solutions that it's like, I like a good puzzle box thing, but often I'd rather just be really curious about where you're taking me and go on an interesting journey, which is why like, I love Denihilation because I was like, I have no idea what is going on, but I'm loving every minute of it. And I kind of don't ever want to find out any uh, rationalization about what's happened that's going to be answered in books two and three. So I don't think I should ever finish it because to me, it's more, it's just cool to be like, why can't that just be an unexplained space? Why can't that yeah. be what's fascinating about it is like not uh, there's plenty of things in life that are absurd and unexplainable and, you know, and there's even more kinda, things in life that are, that have that banality that of, of explanation yeah. where you're just like, Oh, that that's disappointing. Yeah. Um, why, yeah. why do why I feel I, the need to, <laughs> to yeah, make that? I understand, in you know, we all want to make sense of everything and, like a lot of stories with happy endings where it's like, well, then everything gets put in order and it's neat boxes and put away and it makes the chaos of life feel like, okay, we can manage this, but it's like, eh, I just, I don't know. I don't usually need that kind of story. So, um, (laughs) we do a little of it in our game, but we, we try to kind of, uh, embrace some of the other more ambiguous parts. I think like one of the things that, that struck me about your game and, and thinking about that is like, you know, especially in terms of the, uh, you know, especially in terms of the the meta narrative or the frame story that you have, where like it, you get the sense of like it is ambiguous whether or not this is uh, Jenny's story or the author's story, as I sort of like suggested before. And I like I honestly think it is ambiguous. Like I don't think that's just a gimmick. I think it's truly ambiguous as to whether or not your protagonist is Jenny or the author, which is. Um, I mean, it's kind of wild because, of course, like at that point, you've you've left it up and you've said, like, yeah, I don't I don't know uh, if, if if you're looking for a solution to this puzzle box. I don't know if it's the the murder mystery, which, of course, probably it is. But um, <laughs> I don't know if it's the murder mystery or uh, the sort of like existential crisis that you've been charting with this guy who um, has a, a character that he really cares about and that no one else does anymore. Um, and then you grow to care about her and, and you know, that, that's just so much more complicated. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially in video games where like so much of, of video games are, um, these like completely miserable endings at this point. (laughs) Like, oh, great. I liked everything except the end of that game kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, for us, it's definitely about, uh, narrative like shared authorship where we think about it on the like four levels which is like i think i'm always more fascinated by games that uh try to affect the player rather than let the player affect the game Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. for us it's like well the player is gonna technically control jenny but i like that idea of uh their their own author trying to author their specific game Jenny is her own hero character trying to uh, live her life, which is her story. The author is like, well, she's my baby. I created her. You know, she's fictional. Her fate is set by me. 
And so he's trying to craft the story. And then, of course, we're like the creators of this. So we're like, well, we kind of want to tell a story that's our soapbox of the themes and the things we care about. And this idea that, like, we want it to feel like it is kind of a, it could definitely be more ambiguous, but this idea of this kind of balance that's always slightly changing that everyone is kind of tugging on the narrative strings and that it's like a, mm. you know, it's like a, a rope woven together from all these things. So there's moments where the player has a lot of control. There's moments where Ginny resists the, the player's input or the author wants her to do something she doesn't. There's places where he overwrites her and, you know, we're going to go deeper into that stuff in the second game. But cool. we are like, well, we want to be careful because it's so easy to be like, well, she's just a fictional character in a book. So step one is I want to establish her as real and authentic so people care about her before we go crazy with uh, pulling the rug out. Because otherwise you're going to be like, none of this matters. Like in The Matrix, it's like I want it to be the opposite of The Matrix. It's like <laughs> her world is fictional, but I want you to care about it and it be meaningful instead of being like, that's a dark you know that's a fake place you don't want to be and you want to get rid of that it's like i want to be like all of these spaces are valid and it's about sort of a negotiation between everyone about uh, kind of finding a, a a balance in everyone's kind of input so yeah that's fantastic we're experimenting with that idea and it's light but that's where we've said it like in our kickstarter is we have some big uh, choices near the end of the game um and we want to use those to do, we're calling it like a social story choice. Um, and so uh, we're going to take kind of the most popular choice <laughs> and make that part of the canon for the second game. So if someone wants to like do something very dramatic at the end of this game, we'll use that as the starting basis for how we write game two. And it's like, you know, we can't give every single player their own individual story based on that but this idea that the 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 players are now affecting us directly and how we will write the game yeah for us it's it's that idea of that shared space um and then another thing you were saying going back about sort of the author going through his existential crisis and any being kind of her own hero story i think the other thing is we wanted them to be on kind of parallel journeys though like mm. he's kind of having to grow up even though you know we all know no matter what age you are there's lots of people we know that are not necessarily mature grown or grown up or at least in certain ways and it's like oh you learn as an adult oh age doesn't actually mean anything legally maybe but there's lots of people <laughs> who are stunted in their uh, you know emotional intelligence or their intellect or whatever it is uh despite being 50 or 60 or whatever um, yeah, and I where think you like, just assume. Oh, uh, I was going to say, whereas you might, as a kid, assume everyone who's your grandfather's age is wise, and it's like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> no doesn't no, work no. that way. So for us, it's this parallel of okay, we want the author on his uh, coming of age story. He's having to grow uh, emotionally and creatively as an artist, or try to. And Ginny, of course, is having to go from a kid who thinks everything's black and white, and you know she's looks up to her mom, but she thinks crime solving is this black and white thing. And that she has to slowly face that growing up is facing all that ambiguity and the muddiness and the thing that like nobody's necessarily completely good or bad. And, you know, people do contradictory things and that it's like, they're both on this kind of growing path. That's not, there's, it's not like an obvious straight shot to, okay, cool. Everything's good now. I know how to do this. Yeah. Um, 
But sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, no. I mean, that, that's actually pretty much it. I mean, I was just going to say, like, it's it's really cool to see that um, it, it's cool to watch, like, the way that Jenny has to mature because it feels like it feels like a much smoother version of, like, the angsty superhero uh, grows up kind of thing that you see all the time where, like, all of a sudden uh, you know that it's grown up uh uh, you know, Superboy because he curses a lot or something like that, or he's like, he like he kills a guy. Like Jenny, Jenny like keeps kind of going back and forth between her old, her younger self and her older self, and it's very hard to place her in the same way that it is with the with the narrator. Like it, it feels very much like you're playing a game that's a metamorphosis, um, which I don't think is very common for mystery games. Yeah, I guess the I guess in general, if the protagonist is your noir detective they're usually pretty fixed like uh you know pulp characters where they're not really it's not about them having a character arc it's about them going on a journey where everyone around them changes um but we want our character to change which is why we're like well it's better that she's a uh you know young adult growing up because then she has to deal with her own uh her own biases and face all of that kind of uncertainty of of saying, well, you've been asking to be treated as an adult, and now you are. Um, I guess we're just recreating Home Alone. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, where you're like, get those responsibilities, and now you have to kind of appreciate the, the difficulties that come with that, I guess. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I think, I think you know, the the game itself... So, like, one of the things I really want to ask you, and I'll, I'll ask you right after this, was about like the politics that you come into writing this game. And, and one of the, one of the things that strikes me about this game is that like, it is political, but it's also like very concerned with aesthetics um, and aesthetics in the sense of like a narrative aesthetics or a storytelling aesthetics. Like it, I think you don't see that a lot in video games. They, they focus on one thing or the other. Um, this is a game that's like super concerned with narrative and like super concerned with what narrative means and what it means to its characters. Um, and everyone's sort of like their own kind of well-wrought, um, not well-wrought urn, that's the wrong way of saying it, but they're the, they're their own kind of like dynamic pers personality. Like I usually obsess over choices I'm making in game and, and I freak out about them. And in Jenny LeClue, you have a timer on your choices and you just have to make a ton of them. So like you can't think about it too long. You just start acting. Um, and so like my idealized version of Jenny LeClue, uh, what she would do or would not do. And my, you know, personal self as gamer, uh, are just combining very quickly. And like, because I care about the character herself, I don't really care. Like, it feels like a sort of narrative experience as opposed to like, Oh, I'm just trying to get the best ending. Um, yeah. which I will say it is pretty funny that you have one, exactly one achievement. <laughs> well, we, uh, yeah, actually, that's just, uh, goodness, we don't have any achievements right now. That's like we're about to add all the achievements, so they're just not turned on yet because uh, we're just uh, killing ourselves finishing the game, and we're like, we can't do achievements. We will literally die, so let's do it after it's out because um, people clearly will care about those, but uh, I'd rather the game be decent or run okay than have achievements and everyone hates it, so... Yeah, um, yeah that, so that, it's coming. It's not that there's literally only one. Oh, I thought that was a choice. It's just, uh, yes, it is a choice. Okay, good, good. <laughs> no, but uh, this is yeah. that's why that's why you have the choices matter tag in your. But in your we have store. we have our own kind of internal thing, right? We have in the journal the 
for the choosiness, what kind of, quote, detective are you, but it's really kind of, what's your personality type? Especially, we added that, especially because we're like, well, uh, I think Ben is more, was more strongly, at least initially, that he wanted Ginny to be moldable by the player's choices. And I was like, I want Ginny to be her own person. And people are trying to influence her to be like a little nicer, a little meaner, a little more clever, a little bit dumber. Uh, but they're like in, they're like poking and prodding with that sort of pulling on the strings of the story and her character. But she's this strong character for better or worse. And that like, I want the player choices to feel like, like nudging her, asking her and not telling, like you're not controlling a puppet. You're like, trying to be the other parent saying, hey, you could be a little nicer to that girl. She might tell you what you want to know. Yeah. And Ginny goes, well, okay, then I'll be nice, but I really want to be mean now, so nice for me is still kind of sassy. Um, yeah, I think, like, part of what happened to me, too, was um, I had, like, <laughs> I had the, a moment where, like, it, it, at the very beginning of the... Um, at the very beginning of the game... Um, you're, you're talking with your friend Keith, um, at his job as like a dancing, uh, dancing Barista soda guy. Soda? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, dancing coffee guy, excuse me. Um, and, uh, you know, the, you're talking to him and you're, you're, you're talking to this guy who is being made fun of by these girls. And Jenny seems to think like it's it's not it's naivety on his part. He doesn't know what's going on. He seems to think it's just kind of like flirting and yeah. like it's unclear what the dynamics are there. But they all hate Jenny or I guess most of them do. You find out later there's sort of a different relationship with one of them. And uh, and like they they start making fun of her. And one of them calls her poor, basically he says like, oh, my dad makes. Or like such and such makes, you know, more money in a day than my than Jenny's mom makes in a year. And like I, I was so taken aback and angry at that insult that I picked the <laughs> be much meaner, uh, like yeah. be very mean option, which yeah. I never do in games. I never pick like that option. I'm never picking the like, you know, be a total jerk. And like I'm usually trying to make uh, Jenny be nice to people who are trying to be your friends. But at that point, I was just like, let him have it. You know, just go for the throat. And yeah. like. I was like, man, that's that's my decision, not Jenny's decision. So there's this like I think what's fascinating about this game to me is that like there's this there's this almost like tier level of of um decision making where like there's the writer and then there's Jenny and then there's the player. And of course, like outside of all that, there's there's you guys who have made all these decisions and anticipated certain ones and not anticipated other ones. And yeah, it's just like there's a lot going on, such such that it doesn't feel cookie cutter. It feels like you are making um, organic decisions throughout. Yeah, that's good. Because um, <laughs> it's not very organic, but we certainly want it to feel, you know, we're very big on like character driven, which of course is silly for a game. So we still have lots of plot stuff, but um, we want everything to feel like, like the character is driving that choice. Um, or at least in their reactions to what's happening. If we've done some kind of deus ex machina thing, then like mm -hmm. uh, that at least how they, you know, okay, people say that good kind of tool for writing of like, well, you can like throw in a wild card thing that is just out of nowhere, but then the characters need to react to it in a way that feels grounded and, and how their character would react. So at least it's like where it follows from there has a kind of logical 
thread to it that feels like, well, okay, well, whatever, that thing wasn't earned, but whatever comes from it is earned. And we're big on, um, big on that. So we try to make everything like Ginny never, we try to be really like, we have a really good idea of Ginny's character. A little bit of her is flexible with the player's input, but we always kind of want to know how she would react and really yeah. think through all the kinds of versions of that. So I'd say we're very big planners and there's probably very little <laughs> organic in what's happened there. So it's probably good if it feels that way sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the trickery is um, part of it. That's like, I mean, film's, yeah. film's been doing that for forever. Why not? Why not you too? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess like one of the things I'm, I'm super curious about, and this is something that I, I don't want it to come off as a critique because it's not. Um, but it ten, like it can be from some people a critique. So I was talking, I was talking to a friend um, about about this game, and I was like, I think you'd like this. Like he's a big Switch gamer. I was like, you probably like this. It's on Switch, and he was like, oh, what's it like? And I was like, oh, you know, it's um, it, it, you know, it's funny. It doesn't. It's thematically quite different from this game, but it 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 reminds me of in a in a non derivative way of Night in the Woods, um, mm. which I've of course covered a lot on my show, and like. Um, you know, I was I, I I had used that example before. People are like, "Oh, is it like about capitalism?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, no, it's different. It's sort of like I think I said one time that Jenny was the a less cynical version of Night in the Woods, and someone was like, "I don't know if I'd call Night in the Woods cynical." And I was like, "Well, it's it's uh, it's I'd say less, some of it is. Yeah, it's 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 um it's critical. I would say yeah. <laughs> or like and like cynical in a good way. It doesn't. I, I think cynical makes it sound like they're all like jaded and that." It's not a jaded yeah. game necessarily, um, but Jenny is much more like Jenny's just about something different, and it, it tells a different story in a different way. Um, but he yeah. uses a similar sort of approach, which I love because I really, I, I don't know, it's just an approach I don't see very often, and I really like where like it is an adventure game, but it's not the sort of old LucasArts Sierra adventure game that's trying to make you go crazy because you can't figure out the combinations. <laughs> of, yeah. of uh, tools you have. It's a game that kind of lays out the story for you. And it is an interactive story. Like you're playing the story. So when yeah, I mentioned right. this to the front, my friend, he was like, Oh, so it's not like a game then necessarily. I was like, well, I mean, no, it's a game. It's like, yeah. there are game elements. There's deduction. And he's like, Oh, deduction. That's, that's different. But like, I guess I wonder like, what do you, cause to me, the distinction is, is very, very thin between a game and not a game. I don't really yeah. care one way or the other about it. Um, uh, but then again, I'm a critic and, and my take on that probably shouldn't count, uh, more than creators and, uh, maybe even, not even more than fans. Um, sure. what I'm, I'm curious about what you think about that. Like, what do you, what, what makes a game to you? Is Jenny a game in the traditional sense? Uh, yes. what parts of it do you <laughs> Okay. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think for video game, I mean, it just comes down to people either obsess over the like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I would say it's like, uh, it'd be like people who do, uh, literal, literal interpretations of biblical scripture versus like, um, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> going, well, I think they meant this kind of lesson here. Um, and so I think it's like that for games is like, there are people who are like, there has to be a fail state, a win state. There has to be like, gameplay rules and all these kind of things. And there are other people who are like, like I would say it's like, it's an experience that I have some interaction with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm definitely like that. It's like, there's just different kind of games. And yeah, I think it's like, there's just a huge range and it just seems kind of wasted time to debate 
you know, it is or isn't just like the dumb thing about is it or isn't art. It's like, it doesn't even matter. It's just uh, a <laughs> wasted time when there's way more interesting aspects to be talking about that are more meaningful. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was, we thought about it very early on. I, I divide most, we talked about dividing games into two broad categories, which were skill-based or performance-based, and then, like, whatever the opposite of that is like experience based. And we were like, well, do we want it to be a skill based or performance based game, which is what I assume all the quote gamers call a game, which is, you know, any first person shooter, any Mario game where you can quote die and, you know, you can earn points, you can quote win. And I'm like, but of course all of that is, you know, illusions anyway. So it's like, you want to really break that down. None of that matters. You die in Mario, you just play the level again. You don't die forever. I understand there are some games with permadeath, blah, blah, blah. But I'm Even like, then, you start the game over again. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. And I'm like, level. you know, so it's like, to me, that's all really great. And we were like, well, we just know we don't want this to be, because we're very big on narrative, we don't want this to be a performance-based game or skill-based game. But there's things we like from all of those kinds of games. So we just want it to be a no-fail any aspect of those things we had is no fail. And like mm-hmm. we love, of course, growing up with mist and, uh, all the, like, uh, like the, uh, <laughs> I was about to say pirates of Caribbean game. Help me out. I'm really bad <laughs> Wait, at remembering it, names of things. Uh, uh the, no, oh, like uh, with uh, monkey Island, with, like monkey Island. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just terrible at names. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, all those, like I grew up sitting next to my brother playing the point and click adventures on our, computer and like no one ever says it but cosmic osmo and the worlds beyond the mackerel which is the guys who then went on to make mist mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and like games like that and it's like i love that and then you know as i grew up i was like oh but you know what i didn't love was all the gameplay parts what i loved was the the narrative and the characters in the world and wanting to see where they would take it and so we were definitely like well, we want this game to be like people often will say you know visual novel with as a negative connotation as oh, it's not really a game, but it's like, well, I want it to be more like that, where you're experiencing the story. We want to have enough gameplay elements that it feels to us like a game, and there's enough variety to try to keep it interesting, but we don't really want it to be about skill challenges if we can balance it well. Um, We want it to stay interesting, but we want, if possible, almost anyone to be able to play it and enjoy it. And so it's like, you know, if I was making a different type of game that was a... And I was like, well, let's make one that's a skill and performance-based game. Then I'd have different parameters and be trying to design it differently. But we're like, we want you to be compelled to see what Jenny is going to do next, where the story is going to take her next. And you're like, well, what do I got to do to get there? And everything you do on the way there is hopefully fun or engaging. I don't like saying fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, good man. <laughs> that's, you'd make a good critic. You, you, you missed, your, missed your calling. You could have been the most boring possible person in the world, just like me. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I don't like when people say, oh, you want your characters to be likable. It's like, no, a lot of the best characters are really not likable, but they're compelling or they're interesting. Like, you know, like uh, everyone's slow driving by a car crash, not because they think it's great. It's like, right. they just it's compelling. See. It's compelling for all the, you know, implicit reasons uh, and explicit ones. But, like, it's not a good thing, but it's compelling. And it's like, yeah, I want to make characters compelling. I want to make a game that's interesting, not necessarily fun, but interesting. Like, you want to keep playing it, even if you go, like, this isn't fun. 
but you keep playing it. Like there's some horror games I've played and I'm like, this isn't fun. This is horrible. I got to keep going. Yeah. Right. I got to see right, where this right, goes. Right, right. And it's like, yeah, I shouldn't limit it to games have to be fun because then all I've got is Mario Tetris Kong and, you know, Fortnite or whatever. And it's like those, <laughs> these don't... are the games. They're the only ones. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I love those games. So don't get me wrong, but I'm like, that's really limiting all the spaces that games can go. Um, mm-hmm. If it's only got to be fun and have this tight, you know, fun loop. Uh, but also it's probably why I don't, don't bounce off of these like loot shooters and stuff where I'm like, this works for my brain for about five minutes and then I'm done. So Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I, this happened to me when I played, uh, I've been playing through final fantasy 14 um, because people keep telling me to, and it, it, they're right that the base game is not great. It's okay. And, uh, and it be, you know, at the best of times, it's okay. At the worst of times, it's just not very good. Uh, but the expansions are fantastic and they're like really well written and fun. But like, because I don't always expect games to be fun. And if they tickle some weird part of my brain, I'll play them. Like that sort of is the same way. Like it's, it's, it's a hard criteria for me. Um, <clears throat> I think like the, the thing I, the thing I'm wondering, or I, I think about a lot when I'm playing uh, Jenny LeClue is, uh, you know, not necessarily even is this like hard or is this um, uh, challenging or anything like that. Um, I think a lot about the way that the lack of challenge um, kind of incorporates a certain kind of like narrative push. Like everything kind of meshes, right? Where Jenny doesn't die. Like you can't die as Jenny. If you walk up to the a cliff edge, uh, she snaps back. And it's like, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> but the that like that immortality or that inability to make a mistake like that feels very much like a novel where it's like, oh, the heroine's not going to die. You can't kill off the heroine. It makes no sense. You even like poke fun at this in the first scene of the game where it's like Jenny Glow was dead and it's a, uh, a, a, in her mom's classroom as like a cadaver. Like it's, it's not really her dead. Like it, yeah. there's a ruse. Yeah. It's a ruse. That's right. It's a red herring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I think, I think it's cool. Like I think it, you know, in much the same way that it didn't in, in night in the woods or other sort of like heavy narrative games, like, I stop caring about whether the game's difficult. I just kind of want to know what's going to happen next. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying the feel of the game. I'm enjoying kind of existing in the game in, in much the same way, like you said, like Mist works or like Monkey Island works. Um, yeah. And I think that's where, again, the games are great is like, I think actually I, was, I had listened to one of the episodes and you were talking to um gentleman who made Shard Light and those other. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the Grindelwald Games uh, uh, guy, right? That, yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so bad with names. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly but, I am too. Uh, but you guys are, had even talked about, uh, I think he said, like, one of the coolest things in games is you have even more space for the player to, like, inhabit a world and explore the story, which the only kind of equivalent, I would say, really are, like, novels. And it lets, But this lets you explore them in a different way that even novels can't do. And it's like, I think for me, that's really satisfying where it's like, well, a movie can only be... You know, if you drag it out two and a half hours and a TV show can kind of get into that, but not in the same way. And it's like you can really inhabit this space that Jenny lives in and and hopefully take away some of these like uh, some of these subtle things that you'll like feel but never quite consciously think about 
that we're trying to ingrain in the world. And you can only get that from living in that world for, you know, these like 10 hours or whatever. Yeah. You have to kind of embody it. And I think like part of that's a, part of that's a buy-in, right? Where like, in fact, what you're doing is you are, uh, you're kind of committing to that world. It's, it's, I think like a lot of video games are, these days very much an open worldy kind of like massive feeling thing where like, you know, there's, there's opportunities for you to put your mark on the game at any given point. And that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't have anything against that. I enjoy games like that, but yeah, Jenny's more like a game where it's like, okay, this is the character. This is their world. Um, you need to kind of figure out your place in that world and you need to understand the world and kind of embody it and, and get to know it. You don't get to have an avatar in this world. You don't get to join up. You're not the hero yeah. of the story. Someone else is, right? Yeah, like, and yeah. and that's where I, I like. You know, we like that. And and you know, thinking about sort of the spine of the story and the game is like, what are the kind of thematic things we're trying to communicate? And it's like, again, we've decided early on of our first branching <laughs> player choice and making our game is like. We don't want it to be an empowerment game. We don't want it to be a performance-based, put your mark on the world. So it's like that informs everything trickling down from that. And it's like, again, like I was saying about uh, other games, it's like I want the game to try to affect the player emotionally and not have the player affect the game more directly. And it's like I want in this scene, like when we would design a scene, it's like, well, the core of the scene is what is the emotional takeaway from this whole scene? Might yeah. have a few yeah. tone shifts, but basically, what does this represent? And you get down deep into the minds, and it's like, that should be uh, one of Ginny's darkest points where she feels most isolated and most lost and literally can't find her, both literally can't <laughs> find her way in the dark and is emotionally in the dark. And like, you know, I'm not, it's obviously super unsubtle in that way, but it's like, so ultimately, everything we're doing in this scene, we want to service this idea of you're in the darkness in the underbelly of the city and you're in Ginny's emotional darkness in the middle of her story of like, is there a light at the other end of the tunnel? Where is it that I'm actually going? Why am I doing any of this? What does any of this mean? And like, I'm just totally lost and feeling lonely and isolated and I'm having to decide, do I want to, you know, accept help from other people? Do I want to try to trust people or can I not? Because people are trying to kill my mom and, who can you trust and all that? And it's like, ultimately I want everything in that, the puzzles we design, we want to be like, we want those to flow from the character choices and where the plot is, but also the emotional thing here. So, you know, in the scene before that she gets stuck and it's about that same thing is it's like, this doesn't have an easy solution and yeah, it's, yeah. it's messy and hopefully funny being able to laugh at that, but also like, confusing and scary and uh you know some of that stuff we do really blatantly and some we try to be a little more subtle but like trying to lead things from that direction is like again this isn't about someone putting their mark on the world we're hoping to put a little bit of a mark on the player and have them feel like they get to join this world and participate in it but that hopefully it affects them in some meaningful way it definitely isn't as uh deep or um critically savvy as a uh, night in the woods. Um, but we're, it's like, I think our focus on emotional specifically on these emotional arcs and these characters relationships rather than kind of socioeconomic commentary, even though we definitely have some of that. And certainly 
uh, may or may not end up being integral to the story in the end. But um, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I actually wanted to ask you about that, and I, I don't know, I don't know how much you want to answer, but like, uh, so I, I have two specific more questions for you. Uh, sure. Oh, and one observation. So like the observation, and then we can talk about whatever else. But I've kept you an hour, and I usually like to offer people an out at that point. Um, but i mean i love i love your podcast because you guys do talk about thank you uh you get a little you get it a little into the deep dive so certainly happy to chat yeah 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 no i hope i hope we've done i hope we've done a good job with jenny because i really do think it's like it's i mean it's been a a really great experience playing it i hope more people well i I guess we can talk about that too but the um because it seems like it's doing quite well uh, and i hope it is um but uh my observation is like you're sort of looking at Jenny in the same way that I would say like someone like um, it's a little less like uh, I don't know I'm trying these are shows I love anyway uh, it's a little less like Law and Order where you know any given detective in Law and Order is just like you could if you wanted to make them a self insert like you can be like I'm I'm a little more like Lenny Briscoe and you're a little more like Ed Green like that's that's just kind of how it is and like it's less like that and more like um, something like uh, Dashiell Hammett's Red Harvest, where like the continental op um, is, is absolutely like his own person. Like you can't, <laughs> the, the things he goes through, the things he does might disappoint you. They might be very cool to you. You might think they're good. You might think they're bad, but ultimately um, they're, uh, not your choice like you can't yeah you you might feel uh let down by the ending of that book i i often have i love that book and i feel let down by it uh because it's supposed to make you feel let down because the the mm. op can't do everything that he's supposed to and the town still dies and he, he leaves um so like that that's kind of unique in video games these days i think i feel like video games want to give you that they want to give you that feeling of uh, of being able to tell the story that you want to tell. Um, yeah. and you're basically telling people, no, you, you can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I like I like uh, both of those branches is like some some very interesting games are all about your empowerment and you like dominating the world and remaking it in your image, so to speak, or your character's kind of image. And that's obviously fun. Empowerment fantasies are at least on a base level, fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, even they though can, they can get they can be problematic, boring, sure, <laughs> and they can definitely be problematic. Um, and, uh, and I mean, this game's nothing know, if but, not problematic. All sorts of problematic yes. stuff in there. Just you know, don't play this yeah. in front of your kids. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, and I just think I think uh, both approaches are. It's the same thing, you know. Is there's like uh, you know, I took a sequential art class in in college, and you know the it was like an intro to it. So the professor was talking about just the most basic thing as like a human face. And he's like, well, we've got this spectrum on the, the simp- most simplified end. You have a yellow circle with two dots and a semicircle. And you've got the most universal smiling human face on earth. And everyone can connect to that. Yeah, I think and then you've got on the uh, other end. That's Scott McCloud, right? He's he's even talking yeah, about yeah, like, yeah. In his book, he talks yeah, about that. Yeah, he even talks about and like how an got, looks like a face. Like you can yeah, find it and in then anything. and then he says, but then you know, on the other end, you can do a, <clears throat> you know, a twenty-five-year-old white male dressed in a suit with a red tie. You can get into these hyper details, 
And as you do that, it gets really specific, but you also lose, it becomes more and more niche. And so you have to choose, I think of it that way, is on the far end you have the Walmart smiley face, and that is every game you can kind of insert yourself into, which totally has appeal. I don't, I don't see that as like a bad thing. And then on this other end, you have this very specific character you've crafted that 99% of the world is going to bounce off of and can't relate to. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I never met an old crazy white guy in my life or, you know, whatever this character is. I don't know, I don't know how to relate to that or I'm not interested in that. But it also means you can get really into kind of the weeds about that, like, niche of what that is. And so we certainly went with that latter thing is like, okay, we're we're not allowing the player to insert themselves a ton into this uh, broadly in terms of coming of age and, you know, just fa uh, facing the existential crisis of life. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, we're all, we're all young adults in our own way. Yeah. Um, we're but, all, you know, we we're understand all like, crises in our like, own ways. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, I love, I don't, I don't like dig deep into it, but like, I love dark souls for the fact that there's basically no narrative, and then there's sort of narrative breadcrumbs in the items, and then everyone goes crazy making up or trying to string together a lore from swords and rings and shields. And I'm like, oh, that's super interesting to me because it's like creating this possibility space and people are getting into it. And, you know, there may be some concrete narrative, but it's very thin, it's very ambient, yeah. and it's like people love that. And I'm like, oh, I'm totally into that. But that's the complete opposite of our game. And I'm like, I think both are valid, and I love that. And it's like, well, part of it is just knowing what kind of story you want to tell. You know, because even if the story is the player gets yeah. a gun and yeah. shoots someone else in the head, that's still a story. It's just uh, a simpler one. Very short and story. <laughs> a short story. And I find that those get boring. And I think um, I talk about with my friends a lot about, you know, every movie when we were growing up, every movie was talking heads. And so we were bored by that as kids. And now every movie is our childhood fantasy. They're all, well, maybe not superheroes, but they're all superhero roller coasters. But now that's the norm. So now that's boring. It's like once I've seen a chase scene, I've seen a chase scene. Like yeah. I can only yeah. see that so many times before I'm like, I need something else. And then it becomes, well, talking head films are now this beautiful respite, this oasis of uh, people having to think of interesting things for the characters to talk about and, and be in conflict about or or obsessive kind of uh, focuses where they were like, well, we don't have to worry about that when we have the spectacle of a spaceship blowing up into a million particles in this crazy Houdini fluid simulation. <laughs> like, we don't have to worry about that. It's just eye candy. Everyone loves that. And I'm like, I'm so bored of that now because that's the norm. Dragons yeah. and CG, uh, you know, characters are the norm. And it's like, I think about that in games is the... The loot shooter is now becoming the norm and, you know, uh, multiplayer online forever is becoming the norm and free to play is certainly the norm and still still growing. And it's like so these other kind of games that uh, indie developers can do that would have been the standard games in the past now feel to me more special where it's like, yes, you can have a night in the woods and you can have an oxen free yeah. and they can take risk that a giant triple A can't because they need to make this big popcorn roller coaster that appeals to kind of everyone uh but I, I still love those i'm just like i also want something a little more intellectual at times you and want variety just, you want variety yeah you don't want to just eat the pizza even though pizza is good pizza is good it's like the yeah. uh it's like the my my daughter watches a show called story bots which is actually a very 
uh, ambitious and cute little show. Um, but uh, one of them, uh, ki- kids ask questions on all of them, and the one of them was, uh, why can't we eat dessert all day? And the story bots have no clue, and they go ahead and find out. Basically, the whole episode is just kind of showing you that, like, if you ate dessert all day, you'd get really sick. Um, something we all know. They just flash diabetes. Yeah, the they, they, they show people without feet. It's it's really awful. Uh, no, yeah, wow. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a grim show. Uh, no, no, it's it's like they basically explain all the science behind it. And then, like, at the end, you get the moral of the story, which is like, oh, yeah, like, if you did that, then your body would have no energy and you'd feel terrible all the time. But, yeah. like, it's a little like that where it's like, yeah, if I only ate popcorn all the time and only played games that are spectacles all the time, I'd get very bored of it. Like I wouldn't see any reason I'd need to keep doing this in the same way that like, I like seeing a Marvel movie here and there. If I only saw Marvel movies, I don't really know what I would end up doing with myself. Like, I don't think I would be all that interested in film anymore. You'd be super depressed and just, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you'd be like, what's the point? Probably. Yeah. Uh, Or, Or I'd be that guy who, uh, who tweeted out, uh, hey, Martin, uh, hey, Martin Scorsese, check this stuff out. And it was all just pictures of the superheroes looking sad. Um, And he's like, these are real shots. I was like, man, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not going to make fun of this guy. He's he's gone through enough. Uh, But boy, Boy. that's something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah I think uh, I guess the old everything in moderation but uh, <laughs> yeah a little little bit weird. of a little bit of everything yeah but we're uh you know and I just I grew up with single player games and I like me too I like I certainly like aspects of multiplayer games and I like uh the communities that those can bring together that couldn't exist otherwise just kind of like music I used to have a great local. Uh, record store that no longer exists, nuked by oh. all the things on the internet. But also, I can hear bands. But also, I can hear bands that were, you know, only play in basements in somewhere in Kentucky that I never would have gone to their show, and they put out, you know, a cassette. But somebody ripped that cassette, put it online, and now it's like my favorite band who played three shows and broke up. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and without the internet. Uh, you know, that record store would still be open, but also I'd never have heard that, that band. band's uh, three-song cassette that was really good. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, it's just always those trade-offs. It's like it's cool to have a game that you can never finish, that you can play in for a long time and come back to, but it's also really nice to have a single-player kind of, quote, linear game that is, like, finely crafted. You know, it's like you you want to get your six-foot-long uh, cheap pizza, but you also occasionally want that like handcrafted artisanal pizza that's one beautiful slice. Ah, see, so you've done a really good <laughs> job there. You've you've made it so that we don't have to stop eating pizza. That I think was where the yes, audience we'll just was keep gonna, eating the pizza. They were gonna well, lose the good thing about pizza, point, yeah. right? Is even if pizzas, even when pizza's done kind of poorly, you're like. Yeah, but it's still pizza. It's still pretty good. It's like the, it's like hard to completely fail pizza. You can go really far with pizza. Like I remember when I was a kid. Yes. Um, and I don't know. We might be know. similar ages. I, I'm not sure. But uh, I am 38. Uh, oh, I'm 34. No, so I'm 37. I'm 37. Wow. We're even more I similar age myself ages up. now. Um, there you go. I always forget my <laughs> age now. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's all the time travel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but the. Um, <laughs> The uh, the thing I remember from when I was a kid was when the Ninja Turtles were were big their first time around. Um, they would like there was like a, I forget where they did it might have even been in like the cartoon or on one of the VHSs I don't I don't know, but they had a recipe for like make your own pizza and it was just uh, English muffin uh, with sauce and cheese on it that you put in a toaster oven for like you know 
45 seconds or whatever. And as a kid, I was like, oh, this is so good. This is pizza. And I feel like I probably wouldn't love it as an adult now, but I put up with French bread pizza long enough that I'm pretty sure it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a deal breaker. Let me say that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The only thing I want to segue on the food analogy metaphors, et cetera, is one thing I'm big on and I'd love there to be more awareness of, and I think Steam reviews always remind me of this, is I feel like there are people who, you know, and framing is important for games, but I often feel like there are people who are like big steak eaters, but then go to a salad bar Mm. or like a, you know, like a vegan restaurant and then leave a one-star Yelp review that it was the worst (laughs) steak restaurant they ever went to. Right. And sometimes I feel like there's this confusion where I see people play a like solo developer experimental indie game and then complain at what, you know, that they've signaled everywhere is this experimental interactive art piece. And then you see this review, not even a game, garbage, <laughs> waste of time. And I'm like, it feels like you hate Greek food, saw the brand new Greek place open called, you know, Mama Faye's Greek food, went in, <laughs> ha- asked for hot dogs and, you know, whatever it is they didn't have and tacos and then stormed out angrily and left a one-star Yelp review because they didn't have hot dogs and tacos yeah. at Mama Faye's Greek restaurant. And it's like, I feel like sometimes that happens too in a lot of games where people, uh, and I guess everyone just feels stuff stronger with games because of the personal investment. But I just see, I feel like I see a lot on the internet, people who bring their own baggage and expectations of a game instead of being excited to discover what it is. And then... Uh, instead of that being like a beautiful thing, then it often is rejected for not being what they expected or wanted. Yeah. And then I just think, isn't that like, like being a big steak eater and then going to a vegetarian restaurant and being super disappointed that they don't have uh, Kobe beef steaks or something like it's similar. I, I find it very confusing and I just, I just need to soapbox about it for one minute. No, I mean, that, um, that reminds me of my general soapbox thing, which is people, Gretzing about the length of games where they're like, this mm. is 12 hours. It's not worth my $40. And it's like, man, that yeah. is like the worst way to think about. <laughs> yeah. Just like I definitely never go into a movie and I'm like, well, how many hours am I getting per dollar on this? I definitely want a four hour movie. I'm like, I want the movie as short as it can be. And like fat, like fast compel me to see what is going to happen. Like I want every movie to be 60 minutes and brilliant. It's like every movie in the past few years, it was like, that movie was two and a half hours. And I think someone thought people needed to get their money's worth because going to the movies is expensive. But I'm like, you could have cut 30 minutes out of that film and I would have thought it was twice as good. Um, I always thought that about shows too. I would go see bands and Mm. like, I I forget who, no, it was Acid Mother's Temple. Um, I saw them live and they, they refused to do I think it was they uh, they did an encore they planned to do an encore and they refused mm. to do a second encore they wouldn't do it they just packed up their stuff and left yeah and i was so Smart. impressed i was like that is so good like you 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 crafted this show you made it so that like this is this is the show and you're not gonna you're not gonna let these people make you play more that is so cool yeah um and, so and you. you know it's true leave them leave them wanting more versus i do find it interesting that now we do have all these games that i think are great but i'm like it must nobody must ever finish these because I'm not even sure you can technically finish them. These sort of bigger sandbox games, oh, yeah. And it's like you just kind of fade out on them, and that's so strange to me, especially as 
an adult where my sense uh, I need to like complete things mm -hmm. and I, you know certainly a game I can leave on the table but it feels weird to design a game in the hopes that I'll play it until I just eventually fade out and something else is more interesting yeah that I'll play yeah. for 200 hours and just kind of be like I think I've done my fill I get but like never really have any kind of concrete ending to it so that I guess if I was someone who uh was their whale, then I would keep buying whatever it is they're going to keep selling. Yeah. And I, I get that, but it feels so strange to design that to never end when it's like everything ends. It just seems so strange to me. No, and I totally agree. No, I, totally I think agree. like, you know, one of the, one of the things that compels me about, um, something like final fantasy 14 is not the, like, it's, it's not that it never ends. It's that, it's a world and like, because it never ends, the world has to be big and it has to be well thought out and it has to be considered and you have to be able to like exist in it. And many people have to be able to exist in it. So it's a lot like in many ways, I think of it in the same breath as Jenny, because it's like, well, both of these are worlds that I don't know. And I like learning yeah. about them. <laughs> I like learning what's and going Ginny, on. And you know, Jenny's to be continued. It will never end. So yeah. And it's also, uh, I'm looking also, forward to the Jenny MMO. Yeah. I'm exactly. going to be a warlock. Exactly. Everyone's going to have a mount and um, <laughs> rock, rocket launchers and T-shirt cannons. Oh, man, uh, it's going to be so good. But they're, but you got to pay for the T-shirt cannons. The rocket launchers are free. T-shirt cannons will cost you. It's a heck of a way to, to announce your, your partnership with uh, Ubisoft, but I like nice. it. <laughs> uh, nice. Um, so I have two, two uh, lightning round questions for you. Okay. Um, and they are not lightning round questions in uh, a practical <laughs> sense, but uh, okay. I do want – I you know – as long or as short as you want. Um, okay. What What do you think the politics of of Jenny Leclue the game are? I I I, I hate to say this because it's going to sound like it's a bad thing, but I think I I trust you will know it's not a bad thing. I have no interest in Jenny's actual politics. Jenny's politics, such as they are, are told within the story, and like I like them as yeah. narrative elements. I'm not interested, you know. Is Jenny a liberal? Is Jenny a Trotskyist? Like, does she like Stalin? Like, that's all stuff I don't, you know, that's like, I, I find that to be like, she absolutely doesn't, the wrong. she doesn't know yet. Yeah, she doesn't know. <laughs> that's right. Like, that's she's right. a kid in a lot of ways. And yeah. it's like, you know, that's, that's, it's refreshing. She's figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. But what about the game itself? Like, how do you, what, obviously, like, the politics are not as explicit, but there's, I mean, there's, there's stuff about labor, there's stuff about, uh, you know, women and girls, there's stuff about, uh, you know, trust and non-trust in small towns and you know big companies like what what are you yeah. what do you sort of like how do you see this game uh existing as a political entity sure yeah we touch on a few things but they're not our core themes they're sort of uh uh some of them are ancillary however you say it to the uh core themes which for me are kind of about relationship dynamics and family and loss and like you're saying trust um those are kind of our core kind of driving emotional themes in the game and then some of these things are secondary to that but yeah we definitely certainly our society living in america you know there is extremely strong classism and this one is through capital means now and um i mean i guess it's always been but you know uh and so we certainly have uh some of that kind of uh class structure stuff plays into it. Jenny comes from like a lower, uh, lower, lower middle income family. And, you know, there's certainly the embodiment of 
Susie, who she has to get along with, who is coming from the one percenters. Um, and it's, you know, certainly about both class struggle and like human dynamics. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we started trying, uh, we started telling this story before the exact political climate. Um, but it certainly feels even more, um, appropriate now that we're at where we're at, where it's like, well, on the one hand, like capitalism is gross. And on the other hand, humans gotta, gotta try to you know, get along. So it's weird though that you were able to make <laughs> the uh, the main villain Ron Crump into the game. Mayor Ron Ronald Crump. Uh, yes. it was cool, and he's, yeah. he's a real big blowhard. I can't believe that you guessed. Ronald Trump. Ronald uh, is is the killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spoilers. It's, it's a subtle. It's a subtle. It's a subtle nod. I say spoilers, um, but it's revealed within the first five minutes of the game that he is. It's, yeah. yeah. It's just your job to try and take him down. Yeah. Um, it's the whole. Whole thing, and then it's all about the T-shirt cannons trying to <laughs> it's all about those just trying to net him, trying it. to net him in his own 2020 re-election shirt. And the problem is, um, you can't like you can buy the T-shirt cannons within game currency, uh, but yeah. it's just like impractical to spend that much time doing. And then things. you know, yeah. And then uh, uh, I would say it's hard because the second half of the story has not been told. Oh yeah, don't don't give anything we, away. We, we went weird, like, I'm a very, uh, I don't trust that I am very skilled as a creative uh, visual storyteller. So I'm a big planner where I, like, over plan. And so, like, Ben and I did this just nonsense. We made, like, a timeline of the universe that the game lives in. Cool. That the game takes place in, and it goes back hundreds of years and, um, and, you know, it's implied and we never say it, but basically the game takes place in like the equivalent of like the fifties, which is why there's no internet phones are a thing. Um, but it's its own kind of timeline. And so we were like, I think at least in theory, it's less pertinent in 2019. I mean, it's still pertinent, but like, I want to have like this, yeah, this sort of, uh, uh, commentary on sexism and gender roles with you know, especially with Susie's character, that's one of her things. Yeah, and I Jenny's thought you did a good job with Susie's character. That we're trying to deal say. with, but not, thank you, but not so heavy-handed because obviously, or maybe not obviously, but hopefully we've come come <laughs> along since the 50s, 60s to where we are now. I mean, we're certainly kind of struggling with that as a <laughs> as a society. But, um, <laughs> you know, we wanted to subtly play on that, but not be, hopefully not too heavy-handed because we're like, I hope most of this stuff's outdated, but... If it was actually taking place in the 50s, I want Jenny to be this, you know, progressive hippie who is like to Susie, like, hey, you don't have to do everything your parents say, especially if, you know, like for us, it's like her Susie's darkest secret is that, you know, she is she is smart and that she has a mind She's of her smart. own. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's less of a thing now for sure. Not that it isn't still sort of the gender role expectations, but like, you know, that being part of her character's struggle and dealing with that. So, you know, there's definitely some political aspects. And I think the, uh, the economic, the sort of capitalist classism stuff may play a very big role in the ultimate kind of uh, <laughs> conclusion of the story. But right now it's like, it's, um, Ooh, don't use the C word conclusion. With like sorry. That. The, the uh, are not gonna the open that. ending, um, Good, good. Uh, the end game setup to the DLC online expansion. Um, yeah, and there are going to be many more raids, so um, people shouldn't worry sure, about that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> like, in our whole backstory setting up, we actually have a really 
maybe too rational, but we actually have a whole explanation for some of the stuff that's going on in the world that's sort of beyond even cool. what the surface is that's being explained or kind of seen in the game that you play now. And that stuff's actually tied to, uh, I guess it would be uh, tied to uh, that kind of classism, but we're not going to yeah. surface it because uh, till the second part completely, because like I said, the first one I was like, I think we really need to lean all into Jenny as a character in her world being authentic. Like, First, let's make you care about them before we completely destroy them and say that, well, it's, there's a lot of other crazy stuff going on. So we were like, okay, well, let's hold some of this stuff back, which I know is a bad idea. Lots of other games and lots of other stories would be like, no, no, show that stuff in the first five minutes. And we're like, no, no, let's do this a slow burn. And so hopefully... That's slow, been, burn, slow burn really worked for me. Okay. I, I I can't promise it'll work. I mean, like my favorite, you know, my favorite books are uh, probably like I talked about before, twenty six sixty six and uh, William Gaddis's J.R. So I mean, they're not known as like pop boilers. Yeah. Uh, but I also like pop boilers. Yeah. So you know, I, maybe. Yeah. So we we just wanted to leave ourselves a lot of uh, space to be able to do even crazier things later, but also make Ginny's world feel authentic while you. Nice. Are aware that she's a fictional kids' book character, so always, always in the back. Of your so mind, I think yeah. we were just always trying to juggle too many things and just kind of uh, doing the best we can with it. And then, yeah, uh, you're way too modest. That's and then, uh, thanks. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then some of that stuff will be further surfaced later. So, um, yeah, I'm not trying to be. I would say not too overt in any of the politics, but I think they're all pretty on our sleeves. There, they're all. I think probably yeah. fairly clear are kind of. Uh... I, I had a feeling which way you were going to go with that answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I thought, you know, like just to not for nothing, I thought the 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 thing with Susie was really good because, you know, she is, you know, there there is this sort of like heavy mistrust of her family and their corporation that is built into the, the story pretty early. And. It is not like, you know, that kind of like distinction of, you know, Jenny is not as rich as these people. That becomes clear early on as well, like within, you know, the first 20 minutes. Um, and but like then you learn that Susie also has something that she's struggling with that she can't she can't buy her way out of. Like there's nothing she can do about it. And she feels like, well, like this is just something I'm going to have to do on my own and I'm never going to be able to do it and like be famous for it or anything. And it's just like. Oh yeah, like that's actually it's a good it's a good representation of a kind of problem with identity that money can't yeah. solve. Co basically, corporations are people too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I liked I liked that uh Jenny solved the case of Citizens United and uh and just agreed with Scalia. And then says, "You know what? They have rights too. Yeah. Let's yeah. all support them." But just I think that idea is like we can both say corporations are are bad and can do horrible inhumane things for um greedy reasons or foolish reasons or structural you know the flaws of of big structures that allow bad things to happen by uh <laughs> trickling down so to speak yeah. <laughs> um uh like the good stuff doesn't trickle down i think it's the bad stuff um you know and do that but also be like but hey also like this person is still a person and has their own problems mm -hmm. and, and she can be part of the problem, but also like be part of the solution. You can have kind of, 
again, I think it feeds into, I'm very big into, if you can't tell, kind of the ambiguity and the gray areas. And again, for Ginny, is like, at first she's like, here's this horrible, popular, pretty rich girl. And obviously that's, you know, very high school melodrama stuff. But it's like she slowly is worn down by Susie as like, she's a good person. And those bigger things maybe in that moment don't matter as mm -hmm. much as our actual relationship. And that's, I mean, that's and, very true to her age as well. Like, it's very true to sort of like, balancing this thing between is jenny growing up is this uh is this like dark jenny or is this like which timeline you know, jenny is jenny as a kid yeah it, what, are we into the fallen jenny timeline is this the, yeah. the what, what happened with the sentinels yeah, exactly uh, which which timeline are we on and then you know we made a big point um obviously there are a lot of strong women in my life from uh, my mother to my my partner and just uh educators in my life influencing me growing up and it's like there are there are definitely games with uh strong female protagonists but it's like if you look at it the core our three core relationships in the game are between the mom and jenny and jenny and Susie, and we're like this is a game about like badass ladies dealing with their problems and dealing with each other and like we made it we made a pretty percent passes the bechtel test thank you <laughs> barely <laughs> And we made a conscious decision to be like, you know, maybe Jenny, maybe it's implied Jenny has a crush on Keith. Maybe they're just good friends. We don't know. But like, we're not going to focus on that because that's not the kind of story we're telling right now. And that can happen. In, I like that a that lot. That can happen in the fanfic uh, later. And uh, people can ship. Who yeah, they, they can. Ship. Although I think I I have to say, I'm pretty sure you're going to get a lot of uh, Jenny Susie fans. Sure. Why not? Uh, I, uh, I, I think that's going to be the ship that's going to be most popular. Nice. I'll, take, I'll take it. Um, that's great. And so, you know, we were like, we want to focus on these relationships. These are more interesting to us. They're less focused on mothers in game, in any kind of story are often mothers uh, kind of first yeah. and only. And we were like, well, can the mom be like an, an independent lady who's also doing her own thing? And that's part of the kind of confusion for Jenny is being like, as becoming an adult, seeing you, not just as this certain kind of person and realizing that you're more to you than kind of your own kind of defined given kind of class and role. And that there's more things going on sort of for everyone. Um, so, you know, we certainly tried to do some of that stuff and we tried to represent a diverse cast and then tried to be conscious that we are doing, you know, 2d characters who are literally cartoons or illustrations, but, trying to add a hopefully surprising depth to them. Like try to say, well, if we start yeah. with a stereotype of a character, hopefully we give them enough depth and backstory and range that, that you can find more of them. Like CJ was certainly our hardest character because we wanted him to be this like half. Uh, Did you model him after David Lynch? Be honest. <laughs> nice. uh, his hair is modeled after David Lynch. Okay. okay but okay. um I'm not his character. Actually, I just like actually his I think look. also the author's hair is modeled after David Lynch. Um <laughs> but uh uh obviously a lot of David Lynch influence in this too, even though maybe less overt than other games would do, and which is why I think I described it to some people as like I wanted it to be like like Breaking Bad meets Dora the Explorer or like Twin Peaks meets Dora the Explorer, where it's like I want some of this kind of weirder creepier uh just under the white picket fence there's a severed ear which is blue velvet not <laughs> twin peaks but um that kind of thing but also like but there is this kind of whimsical uh 
fun aspect to it still, which I guess David Lynch also does some hope sometimes humorous stuff. But um, yeah, so like CJ was really hard because uh, going back, because it's like, well, he's so easy to be just a, a he's a crazy guy. Um, it doesn't right, make any sure. sense. And we were like, we built out this kind of uh, ridiculous backs, not ridiculous. Like we spent way too much time building out this genuine backstory for him. Why he is the way he is, because he has not, he's living in a time where like uh, mental health, I mean, even now it's still not, we're not quite there yet, but like, you know, just nobody talks about, uh, you know, their kind of mental health issues. You're either just a total loony or you're, you know, hiding it. And it's like, part of the way he is is kind of this continued kind of evolution of something that happened early in his life and has led him down this path that he's considered sort of the town, you know, kookster. Um, But he have this kind of uh, backstory for him. And we decided to hold that back because we felt like we had so much other story stuff going on. And we're like, well, let's, let's keep it. Let's just keep it on the surface for now with him. And he's just kind of Jenny's, a uh, wise owl who's a cuckoo wise owl. And then you realize in the second game that actually all of this stuff again, all ties together and that his backstory is not that he's a kookster, but he's like someone who uh, just needed a hug and some people to tell him like, Hey, it's, you know, it's what's going on. Yeah. Is, uh, there's more to it than that. And, you know, like you don't need to blame yourself for the things that happened in the past, but we're saving that kind of stuff. So um, so we've tried to, long story long, we've tried to write characters that we want to feel three-dimensional, even though they look two-dimensional, and tried to kind of, you know, breathe that life into them so that then they can tell us what they would do in any given moment. And again, I said before, sort of let all those things influence, you know, I want a puzzle to, to be inspired by a character's, like where Jenny's at emotionally in this moment or how she would react to something in this moment. Um, and mm-hmm. that to yeah. either challenge them or to reinforce kind of uh, the characterization of them and the world they're in. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's about as well as I could have said yeah. it as well. I don't that's even great. know what the question was. <laughs> so I, just I, rambling it was, on. It was uh, what is the name of the game? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, so uh, last question: What's it been like? Uh, you've you've seen a lot of, and it can lead into the plugs even if you want. Sure. Um, You've sort of become. I saw you on an ad. I saw your game on an ad. Uh, Where did you see that? Yeah, for 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 the Apple Arcade. I think on YouTube. Nice. I think they were showing me an ad for the Apple Arcade and saying, "Hey, go play, go play the Apple Arcade games." And I saw Jenny uh, walking around, and I was like, "Oh, I I know that kid. Yeah, I know her. That's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Yes, that's my friend Jenny. Um, Yeah, no, it's like I mean, people seem to be." talking about your game a lot like what is what has that been like what is it like being being part of that arcade what's it like being part of like you know having a game hit like i i don't know i don't know how much it's hit or how not i have no idea how to follow yeah. sales or anything um i know what i like i don't know what's popular yeah. but it seems like it it's it's made uh some noise it's, yeah. it's it's sort of like it's it's hit it's hit people people are interested in it people want to talk about it um, you have it in all the right places. What's that been like uh, after after the the long sort of development cycle yeah. that you've been working through? It's done very well for us, for our expectations. Oh, and um, I think with the current deluge of games right now, to have any visibility at all for an indie game is amazing. So um, I think, you know, I feel like there's like 10 great games, big and small, coming out every week. 
So to yeah, it's kind of rough. So I would say for that, you know, that's not great. But like, yeah, that's where being on Apple Arcade's been beautiful. I mean, they're part of the problem because they're like, we're gonna release a uh, hundred great games. We helped, you know, essentially kickstart all at once, which is brilliant. And I love all of those games, but also like, oh, and you're all <laughs> you're all raising the noise floor. So um, yeah, so it's yeah. been really amazing. And I, you know, I. It, it, I mean, we working on the, we've been working on the game so long, uh, you know. It's yeah, basically been we've re- released it. I guess about five years after the Kickstarter, it's the longest project I've ever worked on. I come from doing like motion graphics and animation stuff, where you know the longest project you work on is two or three months, and most are a few days to two or three weeks. So you know, it's mm-hmm. a very long yeah. process, and staying you know dedicated to it is it's a serious it's labor. It's a serious yeah. labor, and doing it initially or for most of the run with essentially no money and no infrastructure outside of ourselves, um, which is kind of how I prefer it. But, um, you know, that's its own challenge. So, I mean, it just, it doesn't feel like anything. I mean, we had a really stressful (laughs) month of, uh, you know, I'm going to say the C word crunching to get the game out the door. Uh And then we released it and we were like, still exhausted and stressed out with, you know, the, one or two days of launch and post-launch, and now we're sort of returning to our normal levels of work that we were doing steadily for five years, and it's like, so it kind of feels like nothing happened, except now I get people emailing me about how the game is broken regularly, and we try to figure out what's going on, and... Um, I, promise, I promise never to and, email uh, about how the game is broken. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. I prefer people email me, because if it's actually broken, it's like, well, we want to fix it. Um, so I'd much rather people email us than just leave a bad review that says the game is broken. Because I'm like... Okay, then I have to apologize. <laughs> I've, been t- I've been doing this all over a walkthrough. I can't get it to run on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, and we've ironed out most of this stuff. But, yeah, it feels... Um, I've heard other developers talk about, like, the, the sort of PTSD and depression of, like, post-release a game. And I guess I'm like, oh, I don't have that. But also I have, like, another games I want to make. So I'm also not, like, I don't know what to do now. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I need to cool down from having overworked myself for now like four years or something um, because other people would like have breaks. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, I think other than that, though, it's like it's it's doesn't it doesn't feel like anything's happened. It's been really we've talked about it a lot. Ben and my wife and I um, like it. It's surreal in that it doesn't feel like anything's happened. It's but Mm. we've released it. It's been successful beyond our best hopes both uh business wise like uh, giving us runway to make the second game and other games and not have to work for clients so that's like i'm literally living my dreams and i'm pretty sure childhood me would be like Uh just like screaming with joy that we're like this is what you're doing with your life and you're like somehow successful at it like but you gotta tell childhood you about so i have to remind (laughs) <laughs> well, but we grew up both, uh, we being me and my, uh, my past self <laughs> when we, you know, when we're talking in the time loop, uh, both of my parents were hard workers. My mom oh. was a teacher and then, uh, made her own Jesus children's, crunch. yeah, she made her own children's that. book. And that was like, oh, wow. I learned from her, you know, independently, just having to set your own schedule and having to do the work. And my dad ran their family printing business. So he was responsible for everyone and responsible for keeping the lights on and 
deadlines and we would he would always be working weekends and so we'd hang out with him at his work and you know he introduced me to photoshop 1.0 and we zoomed all the way into the single pixel on a photo we scanned and changed the color and we both were like our minds are blown and so like you know my parents taught me a lot a gave me literally like the tools uh as an artist and creator to do stuff but also learn from them that the hard work was really important. And I think both Ben and I were very humble about maybe our abilities, but maybe would be like, well, we know we can like put the work in. We may not be mm-hmm. as uh, some maybe quote more naturally gifted, if that's even a real thing, but we will like put the work in. <laughs> we're like, well, I can't say I'm the best at this, but I can say I will be dedicated to try to make it the best we can. And you know, for us, that's certainly a big thing. And so I think that's part of why it's like it doesn't feel real because it's like, well, we're still just working on the game. We're adding achievements. We're adding, we're working on voice acting now, adding that. And, oh, cool. you know, we're working on new content for the game. I want to do some silly Halloween costumes, you know, by the end of the month that people can alternately, you know, Jenny can be a ghost or something. And, um, you know, we're just, it, it just feels like we're kind of back to doing the work again. But that's a positive thing because I'm not scrambling for other paid work. So I have to remind myself, me going back to living that same routine means it's been a huge success. It's just also doesn't necessarily feel like anything's happened. And so also because I'm probably like most people, very good at holding on to negative feedback and not very good at holding on to positive feedback. Uh, uh, I took someone else's advice that I saw on Twitter, which at first I was like, oh, that seems really egotistical. But they were like, every time someone says something nice to me, I like take a screenshot if it's on, you know, a text message or Twitter or something and I save it somewhere. And when I'm feeling down or whatever, I later go back and look and I was like, you know, in general, I might say that sounds kind of egotistical, but for a game, that actually sounds really smart. So every time I see a very sweet or like someone got the game in a way that we hoped they would or there's a positive review or we see, oh, wow, Apple bought all the ads on Kotaku. They bought out, you know, which doesn't infect our sales at all, but it's like kind of mind blowing to be like, there's Jenny 10 times on, <laughs> you know, until I, on until I turn the ad blocker on, you know, saying, hey, I'm here. <laughs> well, why would you at um, that point? <laughs> that's true. Um, I'm trying to save Apple some money. Um, yeah, no, that's, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you're not, you're not the target yeah, audience. They, yeah. <laughs> um, but, go to Kotaku. you know, so I try to, so I've saved all these screenshots and I share it with us on our little messaging thread and. And then I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to put a, a book together with all these and try to remind ourselves. It's so easy to kind of not realize this thing is real because it's everyone else on the Internet and it's just so spread out. But there's, you know, at this point, I think there's over 100,000 people who have played the game. And it's like, I wow. can't even imagine wow. that. And it's like, it seems like most of them have enjoyed it. And it's like a few of these people will say very nice things on the Internet. And I'm like, we should save all this and then we can go back when it's all settle down and then you know three to six months be like look like it was a a business success which was important to being able to keep doing what we love doing and you can see the places where it's been a creative success you know ben and i would be the first to (laughs) say everything that's terrible and we hate about our game and would change you are very humble (laughs) (laughs) but um but, you know, but we, you know, we can see the places where we were successful in our goals for the game creatively and artistically. And those people kind of reinforcing that. And that's really nice to consciously remind ourselves. And I think that's where it feels like a big win. 
I get to keep living this very privileged life of even if I'm working too much, it's a choice I'm making to bring kind of my ideas and our vision into the world. And obviously, hopefully it resonates with people, but like getting to do something that kind of selfish and self-indulgent and still live a, <laughs> a reasonable life, it's like, oh, that's the big victory. I, I don't, we don't have like an indie game, the movie kind of moment. There's never been a moment that feels like that, but like, oh, we're doing the thing. Uh, you know, and that's just having to remind myself, it's like, oh, we've done it. This is really amazing. Even though there's never been a real single moment where it feels like we've done it. Like the second we release the game, we're scrambling for tech support and sending out our, right, our grassroots sure. marketing and all, sending emails and doing all this stuff. So like, we're not like, woohoo, we did it. It's super cool. We're famous and rich. It's like, whoa, we just got to do more hard work. And it's like, we know how to do that at least. And we can put our heads down and do it and then just remind ourselves we've like, we're literally like living our dreams. And I can't imagine, a, a, you know, we fought the existential crisis to get our game here. Just shipping that is kind of insane to think that we worked for five years with almost no money on that and be like, must be, just, it must be just doing that is like, God, we should feel if nothing else happens, if no one buys the game, if everyone hates it and says it's this terrible, sexist, racist piece of trash that doesn't make any sense and bored them to tears, then it's like, we gotta remind ourselves, we committed to and delivered on this game, and that's where I'm like, that's where I probably sound egotistical, is it's like, crap, yeah, we did do that. That's kind of mind-blowing, like, um, <laughs> and, you know, and then it's just bonus that the game has been successful, and at least most of the people get it, or the people who are into our kind of experience get it and like it and want more, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's just been really ideal, but like there's never been kind of a singular moment where it like feels like well we did we did uh, when we signed the deal with apple we did go my wife and i bought a new toilet um oh. and that kind of felt like did you get one of those fancy japanese uh, we ones we got one with a uh soft closed lid oh that's so clutch <laughs> uh so, so clutch. we're we're kind of a big deal now um uh, I, I, when we moved into our new place that it came with soft closed lids and I got oh, to Oh, oh, fancy. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's very bad to go back. Yeah. You can't go uh, back. If you're ever in like a place where there's not a soft closed lid, you're going to slam yeah. that thing. So we're now soft closed lid people before we were yeah. just old clunker lids. And now we're living our dreams of the soft clothes. You don't hear any slam in porcelain. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. And in fact, I think it's, I think it's a wood scene, probably oh, artisanally boy. crafted. Um, in a factory in China. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, boy, oh boy. We, I just remember us being like, we've had this terrible toilet for like three years and, uh, we, I'm finally going to make some money again. Should we just replace this toilet? And we're like, uh, why didn't we do that like two years ago? I think we could afford a new <laughs> toilet, but, uh, that felt really rich that we were like, fuck it. Let's go get a new toilet on a random Tuesday. It it's um, like slamming a bottle of champagne against the ship. You've 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 christened the uh, yeah the new lifestyle. I will say toilet. a lot of my my wife is a massage therapist, and a lot of her clients who had heard about the project for years, they did give us champagne. So we have slowly yeah. worked our way through the champagne, but uh, uh, which is very nice of them. But um, <laughs> I've never had so much champagne in my life. <laughs> uh, Probably can take a break from it at this point. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, it was super nice. It was like, well, we definitely had some the night we released the game, and that felt nice. Um, but yeah, I bet. Yeah, so it's been really great, and um, yeah, we're we're already 
uh, working on part two and how volume two of the game is going to play out. We're trying to maximize disappointment for players in the end. Yes. We're really working yes. on... Excellent. We're take, you know, collecting stats on what's most disappointing in people's reviews, and then we're just going to bundle that all into one big ball. The disappointment DLC. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. The DDLC. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's really exciting to be like, we get to do this again, and we're not at all like bored. We're just excited we get to do more with it. and That's great. And then take you know what people found in the game that they liked and do some more of that and some of what they hated and do some more of that and um just bump that in even yeah, yeah and then turn up the volume on the bat and stuff. then see we you know like we have like i said we have some big player choices at the end of this current game and we're gonna in a few months we're gonna look and kind of tally up what people wanted to do and uh you know um that's cool. I really want to say the thing, but if people want us to do the thing, we're going to do the thing in game two. Um, so if people want to name, uh, if people want to name the spaceship, um, Bodie McBoatface or whatever, um, <laughs> we're going to be like, cool, let's do this. So, uh, I'm like excited about that. Like for us as creators that, um, sort of not experimental, but that, space for us to still play and experiment with what the game part two will be now that we've, you know, the biggest heart difficulty of game one is like just figuring out dialing in this world that could be literally anything and any, anyone. And now that we've got at least some base now, what crazy direction do we want to turn it in again? So Yeah. You've given yourself a restriction. Yes. We, now that we've Very set some one. limitations, we can play within those limitations and really experiment in there which is exciting oh man i can't wait i also can't wait to get to that choice i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you what yeah i, I was like we i mean i don't want to say anything anyway um because i'm a very spoiler averse person i've basically stopped watching movie trailers because um uh, that's fair i just now they're all basically mini plot synopses and for me that's too spoiler so i'll watch like one second and be like i might want to see that um <laughs> So, you know, like, see, I, I don't want to I don't want to yeah. spoil it, but I'm like, yeah, you got to got to play the next. I don't know. It's like another hour, maybe of the game or two hours, depending yeah. on where you yeah, are. I'm and... in the mines. I, I made it to the mines like right before we started. To... Oh, not, you made not it to the sewer. The first time. I, I think made, I made it through the sewer. I released. You did the, the thing. Sewer valve. Yeah. Sure. I, uh, OK, that's that's, yeah. that's that's what you do in the right. sewer, right? You flush something. Yeah. Or, yeah. So you're near. You go down there and you yeah. say, yuck. So you're near the end. It's dark down here. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious who turned out the lights. I'm curious what you think and how disappointed you are with the uh, cliffhanger ending. So disappointed. So uh, uh, yeah, I no actually I will message you and let you know. I am uh, going to do it tonight. Once we're once we're done recording here, nice. I'm going to fire up the old Jenny LeClue and finish it up. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on, Joe. Yeah. Uh, people can follow you at. Um, mm, where can they follow you? At, you tell at me. At annoyingly mography underscore Joe. Um, okay. but, but if you look for Jenny LaClue on Twitter, uh, I, I'm somewhere in there. So you can follow at Jenny LaClue or me. Yeah, the Jenny LaClue uh, account likes to retweet you too, which is weird, but yeah. you know, makes sense, I guess. Yeah, she sometimes she likes what I say, so she's <laughs> she uh, sometimes retweets she's me. She's picky. Yeah. Uh, um, sometimes Instagram, anywhere else. Where should people buy Jenny? Where where can, uh, where can they get you the it's most? It's definitely uh, on the most return. It's on Steam right now for sure, and GOG. You can't technically buy it on Apple Arcade, but you can subscribe to Apple Arcade. Or I guess it's free for 30 days right now. So if you Ooh, sign wow. up, you can play the game for $0. Uh, 
Um, if you have an, <laughs> that's a way that we could definitely get you a lot of money. I'm sure. <laughs> nice. But, um, but I'm like, you know, I want people to play it. Like the that's more, the totally merrier, fair. like that's yeah. super exciting to me as a creator and as a total kind of bootstrap DIY game where it's like two essentially, you know, total of like six or seven people, but essentially two people toiling away in a little spare bedroom in my house for five years. And, um, you know, I love the idea that, that, you know, I think Russia is our uh, second biggest player base. And I like never in oh, my shoot. wildest dreams imagined that people in Russia would be playing our game or people, you know, like the beautiful thing is Apple wanted us with the deal to translate the game. And we're like, this is like a novel. It's almost 60,000 words. That is a tall order for us, this tiny dev, but they really wanted to happen. And they, they helped us, you know, do that. And it's so exciting that like, sometimes I just play the game when I'm play testing in Arabic or Japanese because it feels like a new oh, game really and I cool. go, I know this dialogue in and out here. So I still know what they're saying, even though I cannot read Arabic. And it's like, it's really beautiful to imagine that like somewhere there is somewhere, someone in Russia, someone in Korea, uh, somewhere, you know, someone in Germany and they're like able to experience this very, very story heavy game uh, that I never would have imagined we would have been able to do. And it's just kind of mind blowing to be like, Hey, technology and the internet. People all over the earth are like experiencing our little story. And it's, you know, that feels like a huge kind of win that's easy to forget about, but also really kind of uh, warms my cold, dead heart. So, <laughs> I mean, look, if you can hear that and not want to 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 make make this guy's dream come true and Thanks. experience the story, then you have a yeah, heart, sorry. Of, heart of cold. Sorry, plugging, though. Yeah, Steam, GOG, Apple you Arcade, and we're working on the port to switch right now which we had to push off a little because we were busy translating everything, but really like fingers crossed, uh, trying to get it out by like early next year, like January, cool. February, if it goes nice. well, but we're also trying to add voice acting so that it's even more like if you just hate reading and you just want to hear funny voices that will have that too. So we're working on the console ports, but right now steam GOG, Apple arcade, Follow Jenny LeClue. Tell everybody to download, buy the game. Uh, yeah. And no, Halloween's coming up, so cosplay is any of the characters. Oh, yeah, good call. And uh, no... I will retweet any Jenny LeClue cosplay. Excellent. I don't know if that's... I don't know if people care about that or not, but I will. Do I'll it. do it. And yeah. uh, uh, still no one has solved our meta puzzle, so... Uh, Meta puzzle. So good luck to All everybody. Right. Yeah, if you can't tell, we wow. love meta. So uh, <laughs> um, our meta is strong, maybe. Um, so uh, I'm I'm really uh, super excited for the first person Willy Wonka style to solve that. Um, and we saw some people on Twitch who were working on it, but I think they ultimately gave up because they, uh, I think they got it. It, it has a lot of parts. Um, Wow. But I'm excited okay. for the, for people to do that, and I've seen a few people stumbling onto it, and I'm curious to see how long uh, it takes people. But that's fun for us too. So anyway, okay. buy the game. Cool. See if you can figure out what I'm talking about. Mystery. <laughs> All right, Joe. Thank you so much for being here. This isn't a blast, dude. Thanks, man. Uh, and uh, come back soon. Come back yeah. uh, when you're when you're working on the next game. Yeah. Come back before then. I mean, well, I guess you're already working on it, so come back. Yeah. Often and always. Yeah, I'll just be over. I'll just hang up and then I'll be over there and I'll just backseat drive while you finish the game. I'll just yeah, come perfect. back on um, then. I think we live in the same country, mm. so that'll make it pretty easy. Yeah, I'll just hop in a cool. cab. It shouldn't take long.
Okay, great. Perfect. Cool. I'll see you soon. All right. All right. Take it easy. Bye.